Um, hey, so today we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. Uh, I'm gonna talk for a little while here, but then we're gonna have some students come over the next hour to share a little bit with you guys, and then we'll have have some breakout uh, time with your cohorts. But uh, I wanted I was I was listening to a sermon yesterday. I was I've been listening to a different podcast this last week, and both of them were talking about this this kind of similar concept that was in the study of the world in history, in church history, there maybe has never been a time that has been quite as similar culturally uh, to the Greco-Roman world that Christianity sprung up at with than today. That since that moment where Christianity birthed on the scene in this, in this very pluralistic, very um, corporate society where really what you were trying to do when, in the idea of gods or the gods was really just to appease them, but nobody was trying to say we had any understanding of, of who, where they came from or you know if you were in this village or this town or this, uh, this uh, background, maybe you were a mason or you were a carpenter or something, you had the gods of those, you were a seaman, you had the god of the sea. So you have these different ideas, but wherever you went, you kind of bowed to that God. And all of a sudden, Christianity sprung on the scene, and there's an interesting understanding of history. Why did Christianity become so persecuted within the Greco-Roman society in a world where they had countless gods? You ever wonder that? Like, the reason why they had this, this persecution develop was because they were challenging the world order. That the way that society functioned was within this understanding that when you were in a, you know, when you're at the sea, you bowed to the gods of the sea. And when you were in Rome, you bowed to the emperor who claimed to be the son of the gods. Interesting how Jesus came to represent the true authentic expression of that concept. But when you were there, you just kind of had this, you kind of submitted to whatever God was there. And all of a sudden, Christianity came on the scene and said, no, there's only one truth. There's only one way to know the uncaused cause of reality, the God above every God. And, and it's interesting how that was what caused the persecution. The Jews already had that concept before, but everybody could kind of ignore them because they were such separatists in their mindset that there was just kind of this clan over in the you know, side of this town where you, they kind of stayed and they kind of left everybody alone and everybody left kind of them alone. But Christianity came in and said, hey, we want you to know the truth that we have. And that created this deep uh, persecution. Now, our world isn't like that today in that sense, but in the sense that we are disrupting the world order, that what we are claiming is, is affecting um, the social standing that says... You know, let whatever relative truth you believe be your truth and, and kind of submit and bow to whatever other gods, other people uh, serve. As long as you're not challenging anyone else's perception of reality, you're fine and good. Um, and yet, it was, that sounds like our world, right? You know, our, our values of, of, of diversity that sometimes says basically diversity of whatever belief, philosophy, religion. When we come to science, when we come to the hard sciences, we say there's one truth, right? The world is not flat, it's round. Um, let's talk to some random people downtown. But, but you're, it's round. But when you come to 
the idea of God and study of, of this, we have a world with countless beliefs and worldviews, and that's really the university setting, where ideas are being co- are coming together from different backgrounds, different eth- you know, geo, uh, geo- geographical, yeah, I mean, different backgrounds, different <laughs> economic uh, contexts, different philosophies, different religious histories, and, and all of these things are vying for attention on our university. And so what what we can do is we can do what Rome did up until Christianity is basically say, let's just water down the concept of truth till there is no such thing as real truth. We just kind of do what feels right or feels good. And we basically work from this idea that there is there is no purpose, there is no meaning, and there is no value to life. But simply we're just surviving in Something kind of leads eventually to more of a hedonistic idea, but society tends to kind of break down then. Um, but Christianity came on the scene and said, hey, no, there is a truth. And not only is there a truth, but there is a truth that will elevate you in your life. And I think that is such a fascinating thing, because even though the Greco-Roman society had this, this persecution, it's amazing that it was in that moment that Christianity sprung on the scene, that it blew up in the midst of the persecution. Because what all of a sudden people realize is there is this deeper reality. You know, when we talk about um, morality, what we're really trying to talk about is is what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be to live life to the fullest? Or what does it mean to to have uh, a life that is meaningful and significant and worth living? And it's interesting that for our society, like a hundred years ago, not America has never been a Christian nation, even though you know culturally and things like that we kind of have that that stereotype. But but it's it's always had Christian influence certainly. But there was this kind of idea that like you should be part of a church, even even though countless people were in church and the Great Awakening happens because Finney showed up and said, "You guys, none of you are saved. You guys are all basically Pharisees." And and yet, this understanding that Christianity was a good thing, that you should be a part of that, that was something to aspire to, even if you weren't living for it. Then we get to like, you know, like the 60s and the 70s and, you know, around 50 years ago, and we start to say, you start to see culturally in our country that Christianity and what it teaches is seen as good um, if disconnected from reality. There's this idea that we are moving past it in our intellectual uh, understanding of the world and how it works, and Christianity is no longer needed, and all these people were protecting the end of, of faith. And But it was seen as like something to aspire to still. It was seen as like the morality of it is good. Someone who is a Christian is, is further along in, in being a good member of society than someone who's not. Today, we live in a society where Christianity is generally being seen as actually the great evil of of our moral advancement, of our cultural life advancement, that it's limiting, it's hindering me from being me. Um, It's withholding me, and it has to do with kind of our cultural value of of what does it mean to be fulfilled and being true to yourself, which is a conversation I don't have time for. But it does bring us to this place. I was just listening to this podcast this week that was going like in an in-depth study of, of this idea. 
and basically showing how we are fracturing in our culture in part because these ideas that we are building the foundation of our, of our value system on you know, are crumbling. The idea that I can I can live a life, the highest good is simply my own self-edification and my own pleasure, and even delineating pleasure from happiness, which was really interesting. Um, but, but realizing that our society fractures under that uh, weight of that always being the highest good. And whenever someone says, actually, to deny yourself, to sacrifice in any way is like a great evil, because that is, that is withholding what my purpose truly is in life, which is to be self-fulfilled, to self, uh, you know, in fact, they're even finding this to have issues with them in like things like the workforce, where where people is basically like, hey, I don't, I won't do anything that I don't enjoy because that is, that is like a sin in our cultural narrative of saying I need to be true to myself, whatever I enjoy is what's most true about myself. And here comes Christianity and says, actually, there is, something that is greater than what you know, but it's going to come through denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Christ. But here's the thing, we have truth on our side. And when we have truth on our side, what ultimately happens is, you know, a little light is the brightest in the darkest of places. And the further that that our culture shifts towards coming to this crisis, and, and historians will say, you know, in Rome at that time, there was kind of this cultural crisis. They were they were fracturing at the seams within their culture because of the the culture wars uh, within the values of their society were fracturing as find as having no purpose and meaning and value by which to find foundation for life. <laughs> Sound like our world a little bit. And and Christianity came and gave us answers, but it required the early church to to step out. And to be bold. And I just had a student just this last week say, so what's the deal with the outpost? Because the outpost seems very bold, and I'm not sure why. And I'm like, let's well, appreciate the compliment, and I'm, I hope we are. We're growing in that. But we are, we have, if the world is going to be changed, we have to be willing to step out and be bold in our faith. But we can see the world was transformed in that first generation, and it can happen again. It can happen again. And our world is only more like, not in... It's not, you know, we can push the analogy too far. I mean, we're not, you know, dying at the stump, you know, at, uh, in the out, at CSU or something like that, uh, burning at the at the stump or something. But, although it's going to feel like that, but there is a social pressure. And yet, when we step out that testimony, they, they say that every Christian who basically was testifying as they were being persecuted uh, like in the Colosseum or outside of it or in society, there was like 10 that were coming to the Lord because there was this understanding something is more powerful in their life than what we know in our society. And it fractured the the whole perspective of this is how we keep society together is by there being no truth. And Christianity came and said, actually, the way that we keep society together is by claiming the absolute truth by which we can face our life. And so... As, as we talk through this, um, how are we going to go about that at CSU? Well, I gave you a little little handouts here. Um, this is just, you know, don't take this too um, 
strongly. But I thought this is this is kind of a practical. Ileana talked about faithful discipler versus super evangelist last week. This one's a little bit more practical to our situation. I thought it might be fun for you guys to see this. But uh, if you go onto your Google Drive uh, folder that you guys are all invited to, you can see I also have this in more detail. Kind of shows how we came to those numbers based on all these different things. But but broadly, uh, next fall, we would probably have somewhere around 65 small group leaders. And if you said the average career of a small group leader is, is probably closer to three years, but if you said like around two years, just to make the math easy, um, yeah, a small group leader for two years, and over those two years, each small group leader replicated their responsibility um, twice over. And that's just... You know, it's not the goal, but it's a it's an interesting goal because uh, if we walk away from our campus and never hand off responsibility to someone else, we leave the witness and those who are pursuing and fighting for our campus weaker when we graduate. But if we walk away and we say, I, I handed off responsibility to fight for this campus to someone else, then we've left it the same, and that's good. That's good. But if we double it, if we say, Hey, I I have two people who have taken on the heart to say, God, I want to join with you in the mission for this campus, then we strengthen the witness on this campus. And over time, you kind of see that faithful discipler effect take on, where uh, you know small group leaders graduate, you guys graduate uh, and leave me. I hate that about campus ministry, but I, you know, I love it because there's uh, new people that come in too. But uh, yeah, I'm still getting over all the people who have left me in the last 10 years. Uh, so join staff. Um, okay, but year two, you basically, you know, you're, you're averaging about the same number of people in, uh, in LTC on average. Um, that doesn't mean every year you, you replicate one. Sometimes you have, like, nobody, and then, like, one year it's like you, you sow and then you harvest, and, you know, maybe year two or year three you have, like, you know, three or four people that are just like, man, they're ready. You know, you have that kind of effect happen. But you can kind of see about the time that you get to year seven, um, what we have concluded is it would take uh, 583 small group leaders. I know it's very exact, but we have we have crunched the numbers, and it's you know, I'm the numbers guy. So if you want to look at how I came to that. But 583 small group leaders would get us to the place where every student on the campus is relationally connected to someone who's five four. That's what it would take. Um, and so that's kind of just an interesting practical example of how we could get there. Campus of 30-some thousand students to every person on campus. And that's taking into effect uh, all the other ministries, <coughs> great ministries that are, are ministering and fighting and pursuing people on the campus as well. Um, but we have, we have this great opportunity. You guys are on the most strategic mission field in the entire world. They actually say that the university campus in America is, in the study of missiology, the study of missions, is probably the most strategic. I'm not saying like, you know, somebody in this ministry is less important or less valuable you know, we're ministering to the souls, but but it's the strategic nature. We have to understand that there are some people that are more influential in the world than others and influence the course and the direction of society. 
And the university campus is argued to be the most influential. Uh, in, I've been in the Middle East, toured around, visited underground missionaries in the Middle East. We could not get into Saudi Arabia. This is just an easy example of this, but I could not get into Saudi Arabia. I could get to Oman, Qatar, UAE, um, in Dubai and all that. But, but we could not get into Saudi Arabia because it's close. You know how many Saudi Arabians we have at CSU? Like it's like one of the largest uh, international populations. They just come here in droves, right? And and think of our own society. I mean, how many people? This two weeks ago, I was touring. I know this campus is very elite, but I was touring around Harvard and MIT uh, in in Boston after our first night. And I just remember thinking, like, this is where we train presidents. But this is where they develop on the university campus. And how many CEOs and presidents and and influencers we have walking around. And this is the moment where people are asking the questions, what do I believe and how am I going to live? So you are, for a short season, the most strategic missionary in the world. You are the most influential person on your university for the cause of Christ, and you are on the most strategic mission field in the entire world. So for a few years, you get to be the most strategic missionary in the whole world. So if you feel overwhelmed, good. You can't do this alone, but God can't. Um... And we're here to help you. So, uh, I forgot to say this, but I just love this quote. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, not J.K. Chesterton, (laughs) but uh, G.K. Chesterton says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. And so, society thinks that it is moving on from faith, and yet... It has has not really experienced and tested and and known the greatness of what it means to follow after our God and to come to to a higher level of humanity. Every every narrative in our society right now is working towards this place of of utopia, of of heaven, of, you know, as as Ravi Zacharias would say, if you don't believe in God, this world becomes heaven to you. And and, uh, interestingly enough, in the Christian narrative, this will become to us once transformed, but that's a different conversation. But but that in this world, if we don't believe in God, then this world becomes heaven to us. But they they're finding it's not heaven. How do we get there? That in Christ we have the answer. We have what they're seeking. We have what they're longing for, and we have truth. That this that the narrative is always trying to get us to a higher state of existence, a higher plane of of reality and experience of the human condition. And if we believe, if we are really true and right, that God is the author of life itself, then we have the answer. That coming near to the source of life itself is the only way that people are going to experience life to the fullest. Uh, And despite that, it's going to be not in fulfilling every momentary desire, but by denying oneself take up the cross and follow in Christ. But in it is life. And so the only way that people are going to come to that place of finding that, in the same way as the early church, by people going out. Not by the super evangelists. We think that that was a narrative of the Greek or Roman society because we see Paul and we read Peter. And they certainly had an influence, uh, influential pl- part to play. But, but Rome wasn't reached because of them particularly. It wasn't the super evangelists. It was the faithful disciples. It was the it was the church living out mission together, 
fighting for their world, being ministers in their places of influence as they spread past the initial expression of the gospel by Paul, or Peter, or John, or who have you, and into the Roman world that truly transformed it from the ground up. And so we want to see that happen at CSU. Okay, let's um, let's talk just a little more practically. We're going to dive into, you know, we've been kind of conceptual um, up until this part, and I want to talk about a little more practically how do we try to help you guys in in this mission to see your campus transformed? And so I am going to use the example of a snowflake. I always thought that was such a silly analogy. Every person's a snowflake. But guess what? I'm, I'm going there today. And uh, I'm going to use it. Actually, this is kind of from Winky, although I've hijacked it and morphed it. Uh, my own desires for today, but but Winky kind of talks about this idea that a fractal, the idea of snowflake is kind of a fractal. It's something that's very similar to other things, but has its own uniquenesses to it. And and a snowflake is a fractal, but but a snowflake, you know, everybody says like a snow, every snowflake is different. Which statistically, over time, you will find two snowflakes that are the same. Um, I'm sorry, you. You are not that unique, but no, sorry. But um, but the idea that it's it's statistically minuscule that you would find two snowflakes that are the same, and yet snowflakes are all very very similar. They're very very similar. They're all about the same size. They're all made of the same stuff. They all you know look the same, and and we suddenly kind of see there's this. There's this metaphor in small group leading for us in the fractal because on one hand, every small group leader is going to be a little different. Every, whether it's because of the group that you're ministering to or because of who you are and what God is doing through you or because of, of the context of your life. You're ministering to people in the engineering department or you're reaching out to the freshmen at, at AV or you're... You know, whatever conditions create that, but you're going to be a little bit different. At the same time, we're wanting uh, you guys to be very similar in in some of the core things. And so, the similarities have to do with these principles. And I have, I just kind of for simplicity's sake, gave you a breakdown with some of these core principles. And you can talk about these principles or these values of the outposts. These are the ones that are all related to small group leading directly. Um, and you can find a larger list. I think I posted that on your Google Drive too. But but these are the things. Snowflakes are similar um, because the same core components are the same for everyone. So we have things like cold is essential. right? My boys are like trying to understand the snowflakes. I'm like, well, it's because it's cold. It's, you know, it's snowing, not raining. Okay. But you know, cold, right? To a three-year-old, is like, I don't know, let's play. You know, but but it's cold. It's it's liquid, right? They're all made of the same stuff. They're water. Um, they're you know, if you want to go into like you know the scientific of the quantum level and the and the and the um, merging agents of you know, it's why they always have six sides because of the way that the water bonds with itself and different things. You know, you get to these different things. They're all going to be similar. They're all going to be the same. It's all the same 
core concepts. And that's kind of like our principles. Our principles bind us together. They're the things that keep us similar to one another. And so those are things like uh, in our, per, you know, our three core values, personal walk with God, our brotherhood, and then our responsibility. And each of those you see different ones that kind of relate specifically to, uh, certainly not directly to small group leader. When you have a personal devo life, you should have that whether or not you're a small group leader. But if you don't have a personal devo life, you can't give away what you don't have. If you don't have anything from God, then why try to fight for people because you're not having anything to give them. Uh, read and let it be a balanced diet. You know, we, we really value this idea of having a mind to love with God. We are not going to be able to give you everything you need um, for healthy diets. I mean, I think it's interesting that Jesus talks about it as the bread of life. You know, he's the bread of life. Um, you, you can't go very long without food, right? And if we thought, I mean, I had an incredible, you know, prayer time six months ago, right? It's like, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. You are, you are spiritually dead. So every time you eat, have I spent that kind of time with the Lord? And reading is a great is a great um, way for us. You know, Jesus said, love God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And we serve each other that way. Uh, live out holiness. This is just, you know, a core concept that, hey, if you're a small group leader, I remember one of my buddies who helped pioneer this ministry. I used him this morning as an example, but Josh Nicholas. Um, I hope this story is okay. I think it is, but um, I'm trying to remember the full detail. But he was overseas over a summer, and and he was in actually he was in Saudi Arabia. He was at uh, uh, the big oil company there. That's um, with a Q, I think. But anyway, he he was actually working on the on the site there. And he was coming back, he had like two weeks that he got off. And so he went all over like the Middle East and like went to Israel and all these cool things. He was alone. He was by himself. And this guy's like super social, like hyper social guy. And dude, it was it was hard. It was really he got he was really just depressed, actually. He was so lonely. He was depressed. And there was this girl who showed up. He was at this restaurant or something, and he, I think he was sitting at the bar, and this girl who's an American came up to him and she was doing an abroad thing. And, and through the conversation, it became very obvious that she was lonely too, and, and you know, handsome guy, this pretty girl, alone in the middle of, you know, the desert. You know, here's, here's, uh, you know, trouble. And, and he, the only thing that stopped him was he realized, one, he knew that he shouldn't, but he realized, I cannot go back and lead my boys if I am not going to live above reproach. And, he, and this girl wanted to, to basically sleep with him, and he said, I just can't, I'm not. And he wanted to, but he realized, I have to live a holy life. And it's not to say, hey, if you ever screw up as a small group leader in something, there, it's not that there isn't redemption. But you, you better live, you know, if Paul told Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ, you're doing the same thing as a small group leader. You're telling people, follow me as I follow Christ, so you better be following Christ, if your holiness isn't there, your your reputation in what you say is going to die. Prayer, um, you know, clearly we need to fight for the Lord. Uh, there's this old saying, I think by, uh, I can't remember who, but it says, you know, if you don't pray, you cannot and God will not. And, uh, and uh, then salvation, the idea that 
you know, certainly in a certain context, but we, we always want to be elevating that salvation in our for our people and fighting for them. We don't want to just be friends. We don't want to just talk about the Lord. We want to fight for them to also experience holiness, to experience the salvation of our life, all that stuff. Brotherhood, honor. Are we living out a community of honor? It's a core value of ours. Life together, that's a huge one um, in these values or these or these principles you want to talk about. That's that most often the place that you're going to find people are going to be transformed is by doing life with you in community. Um, be authentic. Let people in. Be an army and a family. Faith is best lived out in community. You're meant to, never meant to do this alone. So those are some core brotherhood concepts. Um, and they overlap, I understand. They're, they kind of overlap there, but just uh, responsibility disciple in and through relationships. Uh, Spiritual authority. Uh, you guys did the missions uh, retreat this weekend. Talked a little bit about that, but it's healthy to bow. It's a concept we talked about, like submit our wills. Brian got a little boom snap from somebody that was there. But um, find, fight, and feed people. Uh, you know, and that's what we're gonna really teach you guys and help you see here a little bit, to at least introduce you to the concepts that hopefully empower you there. Holy Spirit empowerment. Uh, we'll talk more about that later this semester. Uh, but just the role of the Holy Spirit to do the work. We're only helping Him. He's not helping us. But we need to be empowered by the work the Lord is doing in this world. Transforming the university, that's just like kind of our, our the principle. We don't want to just have transformation on this campus. We want to transform the very ethos of this campus. Uh, model fight, faithful discipler over super evangelist. <laughs> We've gone over that. They need to be okay with you, your community, and Jesus. We will go over that a little more this later this semester. But it is the idea that if you have a campus as big as CSU, how do you decide who to invest into? And and this is not, I'm not going to say this is like an absolute, you know, if you sense the Holy Spirit, say that one, and they're just a, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> They're, they're not fat, you know that acronym in the outpost. Uh, they're not faithful, they're not available, they're not teachable. But the Lord says that one, that trumps anything that we say. But as a base principle of who we choose to invest into, we say a good litmus test is, are they okay? And this is kind of one of the things you want to actually assess fairly quickly in an interaction. If we're talking, not just ministering to your world, uh, that is like, hey, I'm going to be with this guy tomorrow in class and the day after because that's or at our job or whatever. But like if if we're saying, hey, we're going out there and trying to find the people that are just ready. Uh, so say like welcome week or things like that. Where we're actually asking you to step out of your world and pursue a specific world, uh, like the freshman orientation or something like that. In those moments, in those contexts, what you really are wanting to look for is are they okay with you, Jesus, in your community? And, and we'll get into more of how to go about that. But just as a principle, um, when I, I find this often in the case when a small group leader finds a friend based on affinity and thinks that they can bring Jesus into the friendship later, um, nothing ever happens. And they get frustrated because, like, well, I'm really trying to fight for this guy to be my brother. And I'm like, well, the foundation was not there to work from for that yet. Um, you know, the, Jesus still let the rich young ruler walk away and and chose who he invested most of his energy into. But but we tend to say, if they're, they don't have to want all those, but if they're okay with those, 
But yeah, I'm okay with Jesus. I don't know. If, I don't. I think he's you know a figment of you know early Christians' imaginations or something. But but uh, if you say, hey, uh, they're okay with Jesus. They're okay with you. They're okay with your community. Then you're in a pretty good place. And we'll go more into that later this semester. Uh, model acceptance, support, and challenge to those you disciple. I talked a little bit about that here this last week. Sorry, Bobby is texting me. He's coming uh, in a little bit. Um, great. Okay. Bobby, he's going to come share with us. So let's. So these are the things that bind us together. These are the things that make us similar uh, in our fractal. But these things have a lot of diversity. How do you live life? Well, it, it depends on, on, think about your life and what are the components to your life. Everybody is a little different. And we've had people on the football team and we've had people in the fraternities and we've had people that are, that are you know, working you know, 40 hours a week and, and everybody's context is gonna be a little different and that's gonna nuance things. But, but that principle, should always be there. And so you want to think through that. You want the you want your if I dare say method to accentuate these things or to give room for these things, not to be an excuse for why you don't do these things. And so in the same way that you have to have cold and you have to have water and you have to have, you know, the unifying theory of the universe that we don't know in order for a snowflake to, you know, create a fractal. At the same point, in the same way, you need all of these things to to be a minister to your world. You need to model these things if we're going to model um, what it means to to fight for people on our university and see the cause of Christ transformed and move forward on our campus. Um, now, I'm going to talk through just what are some of the uh, core expressions of this. I'm going to go use my I'm sorry. I know everybody's so excited whenever I pick up a pen, but uh, there, yeah, I know. My staff, my staff are always like, Nate, don't do it. It's not worth it. You're just gonna confuse them. Um, okay, but but uh, if you think about the outpost, we're uh, we're gonna have. We're, this is not going to be a pretty snowflake. I'm sorry, I'm not an artist. But we're going to have we have some structure that we're putting to these principles for you. And and we're going to we're going to talk about expectations later this semester. I'm not looking to tell, talk to you about the expectations of leadership. But here are what we resource you with. This is this is how we try to help you. I've told you guys in your interviews, small group leading is not something we add to the ministry. This is the ministry. And so here is what we kind of do to really help you. And we'll get into like the expectations of stuff um, later, but let's talk about small group itself. Um, one thing that small group should have is a weekly meeting. A small group is not a weekly meeting, but it still should have one. Like my wife and I should have a date night, although we haven't had one for a couple weeks. It's been a little busy, but we're gonna do that. Soon. Okay, um, and we could feel it, you know. We could feel it. It's like, man, we need to have a date night. Okay, so um, we're also gonna have 
So the weekly meeting is just, you know, we'll get more again. I, keep, I feel like this is what I'm saying all day today. It's like, we'll talk about this later. We will. This is just kind of the big picture, flyby, 10,000 foot. Here is what we look like on paper as, as an organization in service to you guys. Um, we're going to do welcome week. And and this is where we, if anybody ever saw uh, Flaming Tennis Balls, anybody see Flaming Tennis Balls? Yeah, a few of you guys saw Flaming, yeah. So we're going to have just like kind of default hangouts. Uh, we're going to do roller rink. Anybody go to roller rink for the beginning of the semester? You know, we're going to do stuff like that. This is just like, hey, let's just be together. Let's have fun. Let's get a context where you guys can invite people that you're meeting into the larger community and hang out with them. Um, on campus, uh, my, uh, I can't do this sideways. Um, on campus presence, this is something we kind of do throughout the semester. We don't do it every week, but we do regularly something on the campus just to try to keep finding people, that finding phase. Uh, sometimes we do like a prayer tent and we'll, we'll uh, do that as an exercise later this semester. But, but we'll pray for people, or we'll go out and just try to strike up conversations about the Lord with people, and we'll talk about like how to do that, how to try to do that relationally. But, but we do on-campus presence because if we can do it with you, if we can kind of resource you and give you opportunities, you won't go out, not that you won't, but it's, it's hard for you to be like, I should really try to find somebody else to fight for. And so I have lunch for you on Wednesday. You're like, I probably should, but but then you get kind of scared and you're by yourself. And you're like, I'll do that later. But if, if we're out there together, it helps. Now, how do you how do you model that like you know empowered by the Holy Spirit leading? I mean, that's that's unique to to you in that moment. The Lord is going to guide you and direct you. And there's nuance to that. And maybe you're like, I really just want to like go reach out, uh, you know, to this cafeteria or this dorm or that kind of thing. But but what I want to highlight is that this is going to be similar, and we're going to give you specific structure, but there's a lot of room for innovation as well. That don't think we're trying to make you an automaton, trying to be like, you know, exactly this. We're trying to make you a snowflake, right? Unique in your own ways, but bonded together by the principles of the kingdom. All right. Uh, Chi Alpha I. Chi Alpha I. And that's just... That's international ministry, and Welcome Week is really heavy on like, hey, let's let's. There's a couple of specific groups that we try to reach out to. We want you to minister to your world ongoing, but there's some specific groups that are like, hey, this is strategic. It's almost like a missions trip almost, but within the framework of really what your broader world is here at CSU. Uh, international students is one that we we love doing, and. Uh, is you know you could go halfway across the world and we love that and you should uh, but when the world is coming to you we should also take advantage of yeah. fighting for that here. Um, this one you guys don't have hardly any connection to directly, but um, youth recruitment. Uh, some of you guys we may actually hand off connections to uh, Christian Heritage uh, freshmen before they even get here. It's like, hey, you're going down to like Southeast Denver. Uh, actually, we've got somebody that's a, a Christian youth down there. Uh, why don't you take him out to coffee, hang out with him this summer, that kind of thing. So we try to help you. But, uh, we do a lot of things. The interns were just over at a retreat here a week or so ago. 
uh, for Christian youth. And so we do a lot of those kind of things, speaking at Christian high schools and youth ministries, that kind of thing. All right. Um, so I'm going to put one up here that I'm not going to fill in because uh, fractal, well, Snowflakes are supposed to have six sides, but I don't have six sides. So um, then we have resource group here. Resource. And resource is is going to be compiled of a couple different components. But this is essentially, if you need to do it together, if we were always meant to do faith, including responsibility together, resource group is where we try to model that. And the way that we do that is we'll probably put you into a cohort. A cohort is a group of like two to four of you that are are probably ideally already friends or already connected. Um, but this this is going to be something you might do, again, in every resource group, there's some flexibility to this. But but maybe every week or every other week, you guys are getting together intentionally just to talk through, like, hey, how are we doing? Your resource leader comes in and, like, you guys talk together. Like, how are we <coughs> leaning on each other in our own walk with the Lord? Uh, you're going to do a weekly meeting still, uh, resource meeting. Uh, Sunday nights, so instead of being here with us with doing this, you'll be at a resource get-together, and this is going to be a little bit heavier on the responsibility side. How are we fighting together? What What's our plan, and how are we going to do this this week? Um, what are we learning? How can we grow? Like, you're like, I'm ready to start doing like a weekly meeting. Right? I'm ready to do this, but I don't know how I'm doing it. Resource meeting gets you kind of helps resource you in how do we walk this out. I had somebody walk up to me and say, I love Jesus, but I'm struggling with homosexuality. I don't know how to handle that. I personally haven't ever dealt with that. What do I do? Right? So these common things that just kind of come up, because let me tell you, you are you are doing ministry. I'll be honest, you are doing ministry. And sometimes I talk to pastors, and I'm like, I don't know. Have you done this ever? Like in the last like you know, five years? Sometimes they're just looking at me like, your, your sophomores are doing what? You know, like, like you're going to do stuff, and you're going to not be equipped, and that's okay, because God's going to be with you. I promise you can do this. But, but it is going to stretch you, and that's what's so amazing about it. Um, one of my best friends in college, I had that very conversation, not to get into that. But he said, you know, I just I feel like I'm wrestling with homosexuality. What do I do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what do I do? God, help me. And man, I came, went to my knees, right? Like, God, help me. I do not know what I'm doing. And it was, it was an amazing journey. We got to walk together. Okay. Um, Friday hangouts. Uh, yeah. Woo. Uh, okay, yeah. Friday, yeah. Friday hangouts. So again, this is really nuanced, and there's a lot of uh, uh, diversity in that fractal there too. But we tend, we encourage uh, small group leaders to try to hang out on like a weekend, Friday or Saturday night, and do it together because when you first walk on campus and you're by yourself and you get like, say you get two or three. Uh, guys or girls together, and you're and they're like, yeah, they're kind of interested, and they're okay with Jesus, and they like you, and community, they're kind of figuring out, and and all of a sudden you're like, let's get, I want to do my weekly meeting, and you like, you think three are showing up to that weekly meeting, and one of them has a test to really stress out about, so they're not gonna come, and then the other one forgot that it was then, and they were actually like in the gym, and then one shows up, and it's a one-on-one, and now it's like kind of lame because that one-on-one was supposed to be community, and now it's just a one-on-one. 
and they think, this is kind of lame, I'm not going to find community here, and, and then they're kind of avoiding your calls later that week. We don't want to do that, so we do kind of Friday hangouts. It's like, hey, come invite them into your community. Invite them into the fellowship of believers. And it also means that if you find a lot of lost people, you're not over uh, outnumbered at the gate. Right? Like, hey, me and three lost guys, and I'm supposed to like, you know, there's this there's power in community. And so and so Fridays, you know, you might have come to some of these and you might have thought like, yeah, that was kind of fun or really awesome or just like spontaneous. Let me tell you, um, you can structure spontaneity. But but um, yeah, we do that for to help you guys there. Okay. Um, we got another one here. Not much going on here. Um, how many? One, two, three. Oh, that was no, yeah. that was kind of off. But all right, <laughs> my fractal is fracturing. Um, uh, we got leadership. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's, you're just that impressed with my handwriting. Okay, so we have leadership, and I talk about leadership not in the bigger picture of being on leadership, but within within the context of uh, retreats. Um, well, actually, we'll get to that. But this is this is leadership retreats. So before the beginning of each semester, we get together and you get with your resource group and we talk through kind of the vision and the plans and we give you like the outline for like welcome week and here's what we're doing and we'll talk through you know we'll we'll vote on who's the new president of the outpost for the university's sake and those kind of things and and. Um, we, we get together, we just have a good time. Like, I haven't seen you for like three months over the whole summer. I want to reconnect. So we just do a lot of relational time, a lot of vision casting for the semester, and a lot of prepping you so you feel ready to like walk back onto that battlefield. Um, we also do two uh, leadership meetings. This is in place of your resource meeting. Um, yeah, a semester. So on two Sunday nights, instead of doing your resource group meeting, uh, you'll be together with the whole leadership community, all, you know, hopefully maybe 70 of us or something. But, but we'll get together and we'll just talk through, again, just kind of big picture. This is where we typically are in the semester. Here's what we need to talk about. Uh, we talked about you guys, right? We talked about LTC, like how to how to try to vision cast LTC and how to uh, assess if somebody's ready. And we, we discussed that within tables and things like that, uh, I think at one point. So so we do that kind of thing just to help you there. Um, and then lastly, um, is, is the corporate community. I'm just gonna go CC. Uh, the corporate community so this is things like large group. We love acronyms, right? So LG, large group. Um, it's interesting. I, I've been studying a lot of like culture creation, and I just I read these different books. There's these studies that sh show what they call weak ties and strong ties, and they're influencing creating uh, values within a society. And strong ties, we would we would put in very easily, very quickly into like small group context. This is like these close, <laughs> deep connections. But they find that oftentimes cultural values, meaning societal values that 
just kind of get absorbed into you because you're around, oftentimes come from, quote unquote, the weak ties. So it's people that you know, but maybe don't even know that well. Because when your small group leader has a great Devo life and a great thought life, you're like, man, he's awesome. She's awesome. But you don't necessarily attribute it to a cultural value. When you get into a larger community and all of a sudden this guy that you kind of know shares a thought that's like, wow, that was really deep. You don't attribute it so much to him. You attribute it to like, this is what the, it means to be part of this community. That we as a community value a mind and love of thought. And that's how some, in one part, I mean, that, that's there's a whole fractal to that whole thing there. But, but at some level, that's where uh, in the kingdom of God, we want to leverage that that we want to be together and we need more than just the strong ties. We need that. Let me tell you, we need that. But we need to get the community, and that's where like the resource, like Friday Hangouts is there too, and just the life together and all that kind of thing. But but we're just creating frameworks. We can't create community, but we can create moments for community to interact. And, and large group is one of those moments. The two points of large group to us is to help create a community identity to infuse cultural convictions, kingdom convictions, into our community. And so we, we get together and we're trying to help by giving you this opportunity where we're going to proclaim the word corporately, but also give you context to be together and to be the body of Christ together. Because in those places, when you're starting to minister to one another, disciple one another, uh, it's deeply powerful. Um, other things like community events, um, Whether that's a backpacking trip, sometimes we'll, we'll plan uh, more. Uh, very often things like, like we had a relationship digging um, recently, those kind of things. Then conferences and retreats. So these are men's events, those kind of things. Uh, and it's, just, it's the same thing. All, all these are trying to infuse kingdom convictions and create community identity. Um, by making memories, doing it together, being being the body of Christ in the larger sense. Now, the thing I just want you guys to see is, uh, I'm not saying all this stuff is always going to happen. Like, you know, you're looking at this like, oh man, I don't know if my life has room for all of that. Um, don't worry, we'll walk with you. I'm not saying these are the expectations of ministry for like every Friday you have to be like whatever. But, but. Just to give you, this is this is what we are doing to try to help you. This is the the structure, and then within those principles that we talked about on this paper, how do we, you know, how do you accentuate that? Well, your weekly meeting is going to be influenced by your mind that's in love with God, and I've been thinking about this, I'm going to share that. You know, it's going to be contextualized life together, uh, depending on what is going on in your life and who you are and where you live and what you do. Um, you know, so so welcome week might be based on you know your major and who you're trying to reach out to and those kind of things. So so all I want to show you this is a big picture again, 10,000 foot flyby of what we do to try to help you. Now you're going to be nuanced in how it's going to be expressed, and so so that's how we kind of work the tension of those two things. And one of the principles that we talked about is it's better. You need to first emulate before you innovate, right? So, I hijacked. 
So, so you need to emulate before you innovate. Don't be like, okay, I'm gonna just kind of be the best log leader ever. I'm gonna totally do it differently, and I'm gonna be like, you know, I'm gonna be Elon Musk in in uh, sophomore form uh, for small group leading, and I'm gonna totally change everything. And it's gonna, let me tell you, you're gonna crash and burn. Follow after the ones who have come before you. Learn from those lessons that they have learned. See what worked. Ask good questions. And this this is a key value. You need to learn if you want to be a great leader. And this is just general. This, I mean, take this in the outpost leadership, or take this into anything else in life. But you need to be a great asker of questions. You need to know how to ask good questions on a regular basis that keep growing you. And and so. Learn to emulate those people who you elevate in your mind, because they didn't always rock the way that they do in your minds today. But they were good at this at one time, of asking the right questions, of emulating people who went before them. And then from there, they could start to kind of learn, how do I innovate uh, in that context? But there's the structure. We're talking about the structure of the outpost. There it is. And um, yeah, so while we take uh, some time here, take a break, uh, we're going to have, I got one or two other small group leaders I'm waiting for, and uh, we'll get going uh, here in a few minutes. Sweet. Hey, we are going to uh, have a little time where... I've got a couple small group leaders currently um, that are going to share, and I have I have Bobby and Dan uh, are, of course, guys small group leaders that we've got currently. Jessamine is not a student anymore, obviously she's on staff, but I thought it'd be great to have her kind of share a little bit of like why did she keep doing this even after graduation? Why does she have the conviction that continued on in her life personally? And then Hannah is coming back. She has a, I think, a final in her water polo, I think. Uh, she will be here wet and uh, eager to share here in a couple minutes if, if she can get off, get done in time. So, uh, but we're going to have each of these guys share just for a few minutes. And I, what I asked them is, would you say to the class, say, what would you tell yourself if you could talk to yourself back when you were in LTC, what would you want to have heard? And uh, why have you decided to continue to be a small group leader over these years? What have you kind of grown in? So each of them are going to share for a couple of minutes. Um, and then we'll have just a couple minutes of Q&A at the end uh, if we can have some time there. So feel free uh, there. But uh, Bobby, since you are so prepped and have been... Uh, Gearing up, well, yeah. if you don't mind. Right. Yeah, Bobby. Come on, Bobby, you got this. Cool. Uh, hey, guys. Um, I'm Bobby. You guys haven't met me. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this since yesterday, or maybe a couple days before. But um, yeah, one thing I would tell myself is to pursue people that um, want Jesus. And pursuing people that don't want Jesus is great, too, because they need the gospel as well. Um, but we're looking for people that are going to replicate themselves as well. And I think that if we try and pursue people that aren't ready for it or just don't want uh, Jesus in their lives, then I think it can be a turnoff <coughs> to the gospel for them. And, and from there, I think they just don't like, see it as attractive because uh, then you're just trying to force feed 
the gospel to people and they don't want it. Mm. Um, and so I would definitely tell myself to like find people that want to pursue Jesus with you because then they'll stir you on as well. And it's amazing to have brothers uh, pursuing the same thing together. Um, yeah, so that's what I would tell myself. And then I think the other thing that Nate had asked me to share was why I keep doing this. Um, <clears throat> and I would say because, well, one, it's in the Bible. It says it's, it's a command. It's in Matthew. It says to go and share the gospel with all nations. And so, one, we're commanded by Jesus to do it. Um, and then, two, I see it as a way of, like, like just like repaying Jesus. I don't know. Like, it's the least that I could do to share. Like, he saved me. He, like, cleansed me. And, like, he did everything for me. He died for me. And, like, he asked me to share that with other people. That's all he's asking me to do is just to share that love with other people. And that's the least that we could do, you know, is to just share the love of Christ, what he did in our lives, and um, and to just share that with people. Like, he radically changed my life, and the least I could do to repay him is just share that with people. Um, and that's amazing. That, that's all he wants. It's not like where he's expecting us to bring a certain amount of people into LTC or, like, he just wants us to share the love of Christ with other people. And I love that. Like, we get to do that. It's a privilege. Um, and also, just, I have this, like, perspective that, like, uh, our lives, like, the end goal is to like, get to the Father. Like, we're all going to be in front of the Father, and we have to, like, testify for what we did with his time. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring him more than words. I don't want to just say, I was a good person, and, like, I follow you, I believe in you. Like, I want to bring, you know, the people behind me and the people that, you know, I got to share the gospel with. And so, yeah, that's why. Amen. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Woo. Uh, want to do the grill? Yeah. Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. <laughs> um, today, I want to talk about, um, yeah, the same thing, like, what I would tell myself in LTC um, if I could go back in time, and then why I'm still small group leading even after graduating. So I was thinking about this um, recently, very recently, because of something that happened to my forehead today, but um, <laughs> is that there's pain in the world. And some pain is expected, and some pain is unexpected. So today, my unexpected pain came when I opened my trunk door before I pour resource, and I just like wasn't even looking, and my forehead was right there, and I just full force, like no, I shut it, I shut it into my forehead, <laughs> oh, no. and um, uh. it was very shocking, like it was painful, but it was just very surprising and um, very, oh, very upsetting. Um, so that is an example. <laughs> Liam, laughing. <laughs> I came in resource, I was bleeding and stuff, um, but um, that was a very unexpected pain. Um, very unpleasant. I did not prepare for it. Um, then there's expected pain, which I think an example of it, an expected pain is like if you're going to the gym and you've set goals and you you want to like see your muscles get stronger and you want to see you know whatever develop or tone like you expect and you even desire you know that that pain. Um, and so that's just like, the two two lenses I'm gonna look at at that. So. I just want you to think about like, um, and what I would tell myself if I were in your shoes a year ago or two years ago is just um, what kind of, because you're going to experience pain in small group leading and in um, in LTC. And I mean pain like growth pain, like 
that's the pain that you want. That's like the expected pain. Like you can either good. have pain and it be unexpected and you think, oh, I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to go great. It's going to be exactly what I'm used to. And then, bam, you get smacked in the face with a car door. And it's just like not pleasant. Or you can be like, okay, like we're here to do this and we're here to get stronger. And, um, and I just remember all those practicals. Like I grew up being a Christian and all those practicals really stretched me. And I just, I didn't. I just didn't feel like I was called to like bring Jesus up in every con- regular conversation. I felt like I could just kind of keep those things separate. Um, and I just remember being so mad when we had to go and like share our testimony with people or go and pray for people. And um, I just was really mad. Like I'm like, I'm not called to this. This is why are they making me do this? And I like <laughs> um, called my mom and I was like, Mom, they're making me. Rah, 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 rah. And she was like, <laughs> she's like, um, well, it sounds like it sounds like growth. It sounds like yeah, it sounds painful. It sounds like you're growing, you know. And that like kind of got it for me. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's exactly what's happening. So mm-hmm. in those moments, like when you experience that, I just want you to, well, right now, I want you to expect it to happen yeah. so that when it does happen, you can can recognize that you're not just being attacked or being beat up. You're you're working out a muscle and you're working out um, mm-hmm. just a command. You're working out the things that the Lord has asked you to do. Um, and the second thing um, is the reason I'm still um, a small group leading is so there's a term, and I don't remember if it's like ta- taste for blood or you tasted blood or, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You t- like you, when you taste, you taste blood. Like I think normally it's like maybe it's got a more negative connotation, but sharks in the, blood yeah, in like the water. Yeah, like you like you blood, taste it yeah. and you're like, oh, that's good. Like what's more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking of like my sister had a guinea pig. All you carnivores. Yeah, yeah. We, my sister had a guinea pig. We would feed her fruits and vegetables, you know, and. Uh, her name was Maisie. His name was Maisie. And I was like, can we feed him Can we feed him raw meat? And my mom and sister were like, no. And then he'll get a taste for blood. And you stick your hand in there and he'll try to eat your whole hand. And so, like, I always thought until, like, two weeks ago, like, that, like, that was why. But I think it's just because he is a, a herbivore and they can't make the process. But anyway, <laughs> um, at Fall Salt two years ago, at Fall Salt, not this past one, but the year before, I remember Alex Oliveira. I don't know if any of you know him, but... I remember I had just like heard from the Lord. I was a small group leading. The Lord was speaking to me. I was obeying him. And I was telling some of that to Alex Olvera. And Alex was like, I remember him doing this. He was like, you've tasted the blood. You want more? Like, you've got to taste it, you know? And so I think small group leading as a student just gave me the taste of, of, of that, you know, of, of Jesus' blood um, poured out for me and poured out for other people. And yeah. so I just want you all to taste that. And the way you do that is by listening to the Lord and by acting on what you hear. And you've already done that. You know, you've already done that by being here. I know, especially for some of you, like, it was a big deal um, that you are in LTC and you really had to hear from the Lord, you know, to have that happen. So um, I want you to just keep doing that. And um, even if you graduate, like, still, if you go to the marketplace, like, his blood is there too. Like, you know, there's people who he died for there. So you can go do <laughs> what you're learning to do there too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Hey guys, uh, my name is Dan, if you don't know me. I've been leading small group for about two years now. And so when I'm thinking of what I would want to tell myself when I was doing LTC was to not be so prideful because I went into it thinking like, man, I have like all these people thinking or telling me like, dude, you're gonna you'd be a good small group leader and telling me all those kind of things and so I had built up this pride. I was like, man, I'm going to go build my small group, and I'm going to freaking save this campus. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that, was, that was not good because it set me up for, for failure. Um, I found identity in, in doing that. Mm-hmm. And so when my small group didn't come to fruition, I didn't have a small group like my first semester. So that really that really hurt because my identity was, was um, mm. I'm going to go be a small group leader. 
Mm-hmm. It was after that um, I found my identity was I already had it. I already had intrinsic value from God. Like God calls Amen. me a, a son of His, and so yeah. Amen. I do these things because I am a son of God. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And so that's what I would tell myself. It'd be like, dude. I'd smack myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't change hearts, God changes hearts. So yeah. keep that in mind. Like you bring it to them, bring the community to them, and God will do the rest. But it's not you that changes the heart, it's God. Amen. And so the reason I keep doing it, um, how many of you had like a really good burrito before? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys get it? Some of you didn't raise your hands, eat a good burrito. But anyways, what I'm trying to get at is um, Whenever I eat like a really good burrito, I'm like, dude, Bobby, you gotta try this, man. <laughs> like, or like, you gotta go to this burrito place. And so I want, I want to share that good yeah. happiness that I have. So the same thing applies to Jesus. I would yeah. keep doing this because I'm excited. I'm like, dude, Jesus could save you. Jesus could help you right now. And so I just want to share that joy. So that's why I keep. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. amen. It's so good. good, dude. Yeah. Woo! We got Hannah. She is here. A little wet, but she is here. Yeah, come over here uh, if you would. Did you did you win? Straight from victory. She's tasted the victory. Yeah. So first thing, advice is when you join a small group, recruit athletes because they will help you win sports. Yes. Right there. Yeah. Um, I wrote my thoughts out because I'm a little frantic off of adrenaline still. Um, Definitely, what I would have told myself um, when I was in your shoes is that it is not your small group, it's God's small group. That's good. Um, number one, like first and foremost, it's his. He will bring who he wants to each small group, so do not be discouraged yeah. um, if you only have one girl show up or 12. Yeah. And I'm really overwhelmed because that will happen. And um, I found that he always brings who he wants to. Like even if you yeah. plan a message for a specific person, um, I've had instances where no one showed up and just one girl came, and I had the best one-on-one I've had of anyone mm. all year. And I was just like, wow, this is not me. This is God. Like why am I even disappointed in this? Um, if you pray for it, like he will give you joy in it. Um, another thing is that he commanded us to do this, and because he did that, like he rejoices with us in his work. Um, so small group leading is one of the most challenging things you'll ever do in your life. Um, but it is the most joyful thing you'll ever do in your life. Um, no, that's good. Yeah. I guess to share a quick story of that. So my last year, last year was my first year small group leading. And I did not have a small group for probably like the first two months. Um, I felt like I kind of tried to do everything on my own. Um, I tried to spend time with girls on my own. I didn't really rely on my resource that much. Um, I didn't really rely on girls next to me. And I didn't really spend that much personal time with God. I just tried to do it all on my own. And that did not work. <laughs> and so finally, when I decided that um, it wasn't my small group, it's God's, then he started randomly bringing people into my life. And it was actually, like, miraculous. Um, yeah. I had a girl I met welcome week. Love her. We were playing cornhole. She came to a house party never responded again. Like, four months later, she texted me and was like, hey, I found myself praying. Can you tell me more about, like, what Outpost is? Um, and that was just crazy how the Lord will literally hand people to you on a silver platter if you trust him with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah. And another thing that small group leading is so joyful. I know it seems it's going to seem really hard, and it will be hard, but, um, like, God also, when it is hard, like, you don't have to fake it all the time. Um, yeah. God really helps you when you're vulnerable with mm-hmm. your girls, and that creates trust within them, I think. 
Um, one time last year, I remember very specifically the week before women's retreat, I was super down on myself. I felt really distant from God. Um, and I didn't really know how to like share in small groups. because I just really felt like I haven't felt him in a while. And then I went to women's retreat and finally during the worship service that night, I just like, I was just overwhelmed with his presence and I just like fell to my knees and I do not normally do that, <laughs> um, but I felt really compelled to do that, and I was just bawling. And one of the girls in my small group who like never opens up, um, who never really asks me questions necessarily, she came and prayed for me and like rubbed my back and just held me. <laughs> and that was the most like I will cherish that forever because that was so sweet. And just when you share your vulnerability and let them love you, yeah. that is so impactful and it builds so much trust. That's good. Hmm. Um, yeah. Another thing is that. The Bible is, God promises that his word is the living word. And so if you don't know how to explain something, go through scripture with them. Um, I do not know how to explain a lot of things well. <laughs> and so if you just read scripture with them, um, God promises that his spirit will work in their hearts, even when you don't know how to. And that is so important for you guys to rely on. Um, another thing with that is you're going to have so many people come to you and say, like, I don't believe in God because of this little tiny thing. Um, like, I'm... Just all these little tiny things that are preventing people, that they say are preventing them from following the Lord, like any controversial topic, gay marriage, um, they don't want to give up a certain sin in their life, anything like that. Um, that is never the issue. It's always something deeper than that, I think. And also know that like, um, no knowledge that you give someone, no apologetic that you give someone is going to save them. Um, it's just not. In 1 Corinthians, um, it talks about how like, how like Paul says that he does no nothing no eloquent words that he gives will save someone. It's God that changes the heart. Like God comes in and reveals the veil from us to be able to see Him. It is not us, and so we have to remember that. Um, sorry, I realized I had too many points. I also can't read my own handwriting. So um, also another thing is you're kind of random too. But another thing I learned is that. Um, the staff is so here for you guys. Like if you ever have any like disagreements, if you ever have any um, you know, like of your own struggles, or you feel like you're not doing a good job, um, literally anything, you have to go to them and you have to communicate with that them with them with that. Um, this is like they tell you this is our ministry. They're here to serve us, um, and they're amazing servant leaders. So I really encourage you guys to trust them with that, um, and also show gratitude of how much they poured into us. Yeah. Um, they deserve the right to hear our complaints to them and not behind their back. Um, like they deserve to hear what we think, whether it's positive or negative. So I really encourage you guys to honor them with that. That's good. Okay, um, two more things. Um, so <laughs> last, second to last thing. Your resource is a resource. Um, like it's a resource for you. That's why I think we call it a resource. I would hope. I actually know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> it I is now. Yeah, so I feel like last one I did it on my own, I like did not realize 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 how much of an impact my friends were to me in my small group. Um, but this year, like fall was really rough. Um, I almost didn't small group lead and I just didn't think I could do it. Um, I like did not think I had the strength to do it, but because like Jessamine and Ileana convinced me that I could lean on them. And I encourage you guys to like really put that to the test. Um, and because of that, this year, although this is like the hardest year of my life, has been the easiest in small group leading yeah. because you let other people love you. Mm -hmm. Like you let God love your small group through other people. 
Like, it's not just you. Um, and I think that that's something that's really attractive to people is they see how much you can rely on someone. Um, they hear stories of people <coughs> guiding you down a mountain at 3 a.m. They can just like, of how much your sisters in Christ are there for you. Um, not only is it honoring to them, but it just it's something contagious that they want to be a part of. Um, and so it'll be so much easier on you guys if you really pour into your, re- like not only let your resource pour into you, but pour into your resource. Like if you don't have any girls coming to an event one day, go there and help them. Um, like we're all a team. There's no small group versus small group. It's not how many people you can get. Um, we're all a team for the kingdom, right? Um, same goes for other ministries too. Like we want to honor them and we want to bring people to Jesus. Yeah. Um, last thing is I'm just so excited for you guys. (laughs) Um, I'm so excited. I feel like, you know, when a parent (laughs) drops off their kid at high school and and they're so scared, but you're like, wow, high school's going to be so fun for you. Like, it was the best time. I don't know. I, I thought high school was fun. So I was like, wow, high school's like, like, I don't know, just like sending them off to prom, and you're like, you're going to have so much fun. They're like, thanks. I don't know why you're freaking out. But, like, I don't know. I'm freaking out for you guys. <laughs> um, like, it's just so exciting how much you guys are going to change and grow um, for this. It's just, man, you like, I remember having coffee with um, one of my best friends now, and she's in my small group. And um, the first time I met her, I could just tell that, like, she was just going to get wrecked that year. Like, she just came to office for the first time, and she was just going to get wrecked. And I just remember dropping her off and just crying, like, in just such gratitude that, like, just knowing and seeing that God is going to change her so much and how exciting that would be. And that's how, like, I feel for you guys. Um, so it really is miracle grow. And I've grown way more exponentially in my faith through leading than I have my entire like what 18 19 years of life (laughs) so um yeah so just know that like we are also here for you like if you guys struggle ask your resource ask us um ask staff because we all love you and we're super excited so good anybody have any questions you'd like to throw out to them um, before we move on to cohort time They did a really good job, so appreciate you guys doing that. Real quick, anything? Okay. All right. So uh, a couple announcements here. Um, I'm throwing this phone around because I, uh, for anybody who's not here, um, just just a reminder, uh, you can have three times that you just don't make it on a weekend. And we know things come up, things are going to happen. Totally get that. Um, You should have... Uh, the podcast, we're trying to update as quick as we can. I think we got it like Wednesday night this last week, that kind of thing. So if if you're listening to this or if you are here in, you know, next week or something, you're not, well, don't come next week because we won't have this. But um, <laughs> we're all going to be off having fun and doing other stuff. But, but um, just remember, don't miss more than three. If you do miss one, uh, just listen to the podcast and send me. Uh, an email, just like one paragraph per class. So that's basically two paragraphs. I'm not looking to like weigh you down with a bunch of stuff. I'm not trying to like, you know, make you feel bad for not being here. You had something going on. Uh, I'm just looking for like, give me a summary that you listened to it. You understood the core concepts of what we were talking about from each of the classes, the 45 or 50 minute one and the you know 30 minute one. Um, it, but do it within the first two weeks, please, just because it's it's always hard for me to like track all of you guys at the end of like the semester and be like, hey, you didn't listen to week two. And like, you know, just if you go in within the first two weeks after missing. Um, LTC retreat is coming up. 
Uh, let's, let's go chronological. Next Sunday, we, next Sunday we are not uh, here. Everybody's going to be gone at spring break. Uh, we get that. The Sunday before school starts back up, so two weeks from today, we will start back. So the day before school starts, we will still be here uh, again. Um, before that, that's the Sunday of the week school starts back up, so we will be back to this. Um, then, the, then the week after that, I believe, is when we have our LTC retreat. So think the, the weekend after school's back in session, after spring break, that weekend is when we're going to do our LTC retreat. So just kind of remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Um, and, and again, that will be up in Estes Park. Uh, we'll, we're going to start in Estes at about 5 o'clock on Friday, and we'll get you back in town uh, no later than around 5 o'clock uh, on Saturday. So uh, we'll, we'll do more details as that gets a little bit closer. But uh, any, any questions coming up so far about the class logistically that I just it would be good to clarify? Um, is there anything that we have to pay for the retreat? No. No, no. We, we invest into that uh, for you guys. Yeah, good question, though. Just, just your time. That's how you, how you pay your time and your attention. Um, yeah, any other questions? Cool. You scratching your beard, or you got a question? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So for uh, our cohort time this week, if you would like to see a little more in depth on our kind of our core values and principles, and also our uh, organizational chart. If you are that person, like you just love that stuff, great. Uh, I post. I posted a copy of Keystone Attributes and a copy of our organizational chart on your Google Drive, just so you can see it. Uh, most people don't care, don't ever need to see it, never do see it. That's totally great. Uh, but if you're kind of like curious, like how behind the scenes, how we structure that, just kind of is there if you care. Um, make sure that you sign in. That interns. That includes you. Um, I think. Most people, but the interns signed in last week. So uh, sign in and just put it. All you need to do is just write an X. So just go back from last week if you were here and not. If you don't have access to the internet on your phone or something, just grab one of your friends. Just write an X on the date next to your name. Know that you're there. Um, that's just how we keep track. We're just on our system here. Now the this last week uh, we. We're having you go back in your lineage, and right now we're really just trying to emphasize, kind of in a big picture sense, kind of the why. We're really kind of in this like season, like, like what, like why did, why do leadership, why does this matter, why do you matter, um, and a little bit of the how, a little kind of flyby, 10,000 foot view of, kind of how we go about that. We're gonna start kind of going deeper and deeper into the how from this part of the semester, but, but. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna practically give you an exercise this week that's a little bit more in depth. You know, this last week, hey, honor the people that came before you, uh, learn from them. Why was this valuable? What you know, what advice do you have uh, from somebody who apparently created a legacy that you came from, uh, in, at least in the Kaiapa world. But but this week, we're gonna ask you to spend this week, um, and you have spring break too, uh, if you haven't caught up to that. But, but to find someone in the outpost that you don't know, 
Um, and you're like, I know everybody, okay, well, great, your you're gold star for you, find something you don't know as well, actually, I love that, I would love, you know, like, but surely there's somebody that somebody's kind of loosely trying to get connected that you don't know well. Find somebody in the larger ministry that you do not know or do not know well, um, and pursue them. So this is a little bit of our how, right, We're, but this is a safe context. We're basically saying, hey, within the ministry, these guys already uh, are curious about Jesus or love Jesus. It cannot be that cute guy that you wanted to really spend some more time with. Um, <laughs> the, I was way, I'm, I'm way ahead of you, dude. Well, I'm, my vote, you can do that. You, <laughs> That's allowed. It, it's allowed. I, I, I vetoed that vote. Okay. <laughs> um, let, let that be for uh, another time. But... Uh, but practice pursuing. Actually, I'm kind of traditional that way. Guys, you should pursue the girl in that context. But anyway, um, but this will help you learn to pursue some guys. So what I want to do is I'm, I don't care what it looks like, but it needs to be something outside of just having a conversation after large group or small group or something. It needs to be you intentionally taking time out of your life to pursue someone else in their world. Because in small group leading, this is huge. What you are learning to do is pursue after people and pursuing them in their world. So whether, you know, invite them into your thing, you know, that's great. But even more so, like, say, hey, can we, can we just, you know, can I hang out with you this week? I'd love to just get to know you better. Like, hey, can I stop by your dorm? Can I... You know, take us to lunch. Can you know? Hey, you're into uh, soccer. Awesome. I've never played soccer. Like, can can you show me some stuff? Like, do something where you get to know someone else a little bit more in the ministry. And and you know, I I'm not doing this for. I know this is like a project, but don't make them a project. Right? Like, like, hey, you're my assignment. Like, you know, it's just awkward. We're just, this is what we are calling you to do. This is what we're asking you to do as a lifestyle. So I'm just giving you a practical assignment. If you are going to do ministry in the outpost, you need to lean on the community. And that means you need to know the community. So practice getting know. You might know, you might be good at this already. You might know lots of people, but that may just be because your small group leader was really good at helping you get to know people. You need to learn to get to know people when it's not someone else creating the context for you to do that. And that's what I'm looking for. We're doing it within the ministry because it helps us get to know each other better. And it's a little bit safer context than what we're going to ultimately ask you to do is say, like, go find somebody out there who doesn't have any interest in Jesus necessarily yet and then pursue them. So this is kind of a stepping stone. Clear? Yeah. Makes sense? Yes, All sorry. right, so, yes. Uh, does it have to be, like, someone who's not a small group leader, or can you get anyone from the community? Great question. Um, it can't, actually, I don't care. It can be anybody in the community. It can be anybody in the community. Uh, you can you can pursue, it needs to be a student. So let's, let's not do the staff, uh, because I, I want you to have that experience of, of a, you know, an actual peer. But, but I want you to get to know somebody else as well. So it can be whatever you want to do. I don't care, um, but do that. Um, and cohorts, get together with your cohorts right now. Talk through how it went this last week and what your game plan is for pursuing someone this week. Ready? Go. <laughs>